guys, welcome in. Today we have a very interesting case. And this case, we have managed to uncover a lot of details. And together with Benedict, let's discuss a bit further and learn some key points. So Benedict, duly ask with the case. Today's case is revolving around a male who is mid-40s, divorced, and he actually has three teenage kids that are staying with their mother. The guy is actually currently staying in a forum HDB under his name with a sole ownership with his parents, his auntie, and his helper. So with three old folks and three young kids to support, this is actually the definition of like a true blue um, sandwich generation kind of thing. His parents and auntie are in their late 70s and they do not have a place to stay. So that's why they are all um, staying in the, under one roof. So his mom actually went for treatment for cancer. Hmm. And I was looking at some of the case uh, details, right? I realized that DB, it's under his name only, which means very hmm. likely he bought it as a single scheme or he bought it with a nucleus, uh, with him as owner, parents as occupiers. And maybe at this point, I'd like to share also, because I've also seen cases whereby you know parents and kids merge the name together in a HDB. Uh, generally, I think that's not a good idea. The reason for parents to do that is because they need the kid's income to support the loan, something like that. But that ties in the kid's name. In future, if the kid wants to get married again, very messy to unbundle and there'll be cost. So luckily for his case, if it's a single scheme, very easy to settle, which means he has full decision-making of it. But also now, it seems like there's five adults in the whole space. My thoughts were floating while the privacy part is hard. The space, you know, because as adults, you need toilet and stuff. It's, it's not easy. So anyone that's viewing this, if you have a much better home environment, we'd be very grateful of things also. Uh, and it, also he's mentioned that his parent went for cancer treatment. Now, this point I can share a bit. It's probably too late for him to insure for his parents. So if you have also elderly parents, you're thinking how to insure them. Typically, insurers only offer accident plans for elderly. And it's also important to purchase those because old folks tend to fall down. But once with cancer and health conditions, it's not easy to insure already. Have enough emergency cash because this is a situation where it's not easy. And I also worry about how much he's saving per month. So actually, he brought on some points with regards to his income and expenses. His income is actually uh, 15K. Hmm. And monthly expenses about 9,000. So broken down into um, children, old folks. His net saving is about 6,000 a 15, month. 15,000 less 9,000, 6,000. Okay. If this income is not take home, then probably the net savings will be a bit lower at around 4 plus K a month. Expenses for children is around 2,000. Mm. which seems a bit conservative considering he has three teenage children which are still schooling. Mm. And I think they'll go into university if he's teenage in, I don't know, a couple of years' time. So uni costs, if you're not on scholarship, uh, that'll be passed on to daddy and mommy. So that cost of 2000 for kids likely going to inflate. Insurance-wise, his insurance is around 2000 I think um, 2000 a month seems to be on the high side. That means 24000 a year already. There are ways to select plans. You know, there's whole life plans, there's term plans. Whole life plans, you can prepay. In future, it's fully paid. It's good. Term plans, on the other hand, you can compress your premium to a smaller amount because you're willing to pay the entire duration. But it's only a temporary insurance. If I were him, I'll be thinking, how come 24000 a year or 2000 a month? Do you have any thoughts with regards to like um, whole life and term plans? So from my perspective, whole life is something that is um, based foundation. Mm. And term plans is actually when any life events happen, like you get married or you have children, then that's where um, term plans come into handy. 
Sure. So what, what are your thoughts on whole life versus term plan? My belief is whole life is a good foundation layer. See it as permanent insurance, which means it catches all events just in case you get a kid when you are 60 plus because now he's, he's uh, 40 plus. If just in case there's another kid, we never know. There's a partner. Mm-hmm. Which means also that is a backup. It should not be too big a backup because the bulk of your liabilities is until 65. Maybe if you are owning mortgage, correct? In Singapore, most mortgages stretch at 65 only. And we are not sure of our employability after 65. Which means the bulk of your insurance coverage should be until 65. Then maybe a small layer of whole life that stretches for a lifetime. And then in that way, you won't spend too much on insurance. You cover best of both of us, your, your bulk earning capacity before 65, as well as all loans there. And then a contingent base, base layer of whole life. Uh, but very often people tilt it wrongly. The whole life plan is huge few thousand a year and then that part you get your equation skewed and the total premium per year can eat into the overall budgets can we next bring up some of his investment assets he has a professional investment assets of around eight hundred thousand. so this is an investment scheme that his company actually provides and the amount can only be hmm. withdrawn in full when he's 50 years old the question is can he actually um, retire with this particular sum of money Eight hundred thousand is a good starting point it doesn't sound like a stock option. It's probably a pension-like scheme. Uh, but for it to totally retire, I think we need to discover how much he has in terms of loans and on what other assets that he has. The next asset that he has is actually his own investment portfolio, mm. which actually quite surprisingly is only 100000 considering his income of fifteen k per month. Mm. The amount actually seems a bit low. He also mentioned that he has some um, investment link plans that he bought for his cash flow when he actually retires. So, Josh, what are your thoughts about investment link plans? Because personally, I am not a fan of investment link plans. So, I'm someone that advocates hmm. separating insurance from investments. I think it's valid, that concept of separating your insurance from your investments. Hmm. Having said that, the investment link plan that sounds like what is mentioned, in my guess, is probably those investment link plans that don't have protection. And mm-hmm. usually these plans, they have bonuses. I'm a bit concerned because it's a 20-year investment link plan, which means he's going to be paying this until age of 65. Paying to 65 is a bit hard. Ideally, it should be shorter, much shorter than that. Pay under 55 and then let it compound. Uh, but my main concern is he's locked in for 20 years and that ties in his cash flow for a bit. He can't surrender this and uh, use it for early retirement. Uh, but also in his case, right, I think insurance is actually very important. Right now, he has two parents depending on him, a few children depending on, on him also, which means yeah. if his income is compromised due to premature death or can't work due to critical illness, everybody that's dependent on him, the whole equation will start to crumble. So he should look at his insurance properly rather than an investment link plan uh, that is supposedly for retirement age of 65. Yeah, yeah. So actually, if anything happens, there'll be a lot of people who will actually be affected. So moving on to the next point, he mentioned that he has current cash position of around 20,000. He actually lent some money to a family member. It's about The amount is about 100,000. His CPF essay has around 200k and OA of about um, 65k with about 45k of this invested. So the question is, is it a good thing to invest your CPF OA? I was thinking a bit more on he has loaned his family more than 100,000 to a family member. Uh, we don't know the situation fully, uh, but always when money is lent to family members, we need to have that perspective of you might need to write it off. 
because we don't know whether family members are going to pay back. And sometimes relationship is hard to chase back money. La. And CPF special account, 200000 that's good. OA, so the question is whether to invest OA or not. My gut feeling is he has investments, which means he may have some investment experience. Not too bad. In that case, investing OA is probably good because you buy equities or even balanced funds with OA. You can buy stocks, by the way. You can buy uh, STI ETF. You can buy funds that allow you to reach global uh, equities. Generally, equities will be able to provide you more than 2.5%. We need to believe in that. Like, if not, there's no point investing already. So mm-hmm. it ties in a lot with his experience. Because now it's a bear market. Don't go selling out in a bear market. I use the OA to accumulate and have a long-term perspective. 2.5% is actually beatable. So for most, generally, it's a good idea to invest OA if there's surplus from housing needs. Mm-hmm. So just one thing to take note of is this 2.5% is guaranteed. Whereas mm. if you invest in like equities, your capital is actually not guaranteed, even though you might get a higher yield. Yeah, Correct. So, so a chance of capital. A lot of times mistakes might come in or you overbuy when equity valuations are high. And mm. when markets start crashing, you cut losses. And then that's where the mm. situation tilts unfavorably. But for yourself, Benedict, uh, what are your practices for CPFO? Have you invested them? Yes. So I my CPFO is not that much, but I do I do invest my CPFOA in mm. mostly REITs that give about probably 5% yield. A stock investment also, I think it's 30% of investable amounts. Also make sure you do not need the CPFOA for housing because suddenly you want the house next year, then now is a bear market. You go selling out now, you put yourself backwards. So only invest amounts that you don't need for a few years. Make sure you set enough for your housing needs. And I'm curious also, what, what are his housing concerns? So here comes the complicated part. His partner and himself actually got together many years after his divorce. Actually, his mom doesn't really approve and she has her own concerns. So that's why they have not yet gotten married. His new partner actually owns a condo with her family and it's the joint ownership. So recently, they were thinking of moving out into a small place where they can call their own without actually upsetting his mother. His partner cannot sell her portion of the condo because her family actually stays there. And she's also the main provider to her parents and the condo as well. Sounds like she's also a sandwich generation uh, situation. Yeah. So the question here is, is it recommended that they pay the ABSD for the condo and still keep the HDB under the guy's name? Or to sell the HDB to the parents so that they can buy the two-bedder without paying the ABSD? So for context here, a two-bedroom condo near her condo is about 1.2 million market hmm. value. The first is 2026. That is probably when his professional investment portfolio is matured. He can cash it out. But if he cashes it out for the house, then there's nothing left for retirement. So back to square one in terms of retirement. So hopefully we don't need to tap on that. But the point of paying ABSD for a two-bit, I, I just got a bit stuck on the point of time. For anyone that's not familiar, ABSD stands for Additional Buyer Stamp Duty. So this amount is very big. This amount is 17% already. And if we were to count, just like you mentioned, $1.2 million, that yep. would easily put his uh, stamp duty taxes alone to close to $200,000 already. So that, there's a lot of cost involved. ABSD, in my opinion, avoid it as best as possible. It's, it's just unnecessary taxes. And his finances are tight already in many ways. Uh, of course, you can use CPF to pay down payment and stuff, but ideally, probably don't go with uh, buying an additional house. And let's explore other numbers and other methods he can get around the situation. He mentioned that he has a cash holding of um, about 20000 which 
I feel that given his circumstances, it's not sufficient. Because his expenses yeah. was nine or ten thousand, right? Yeah, so it's probably going to only last him about um, one to two months before he actually runs out of cash. Hmm. So that's something um to take note of. Probably he needs to maybe bulk up emergency funds over there. And his current savings rate, actually this may drop because they might be increased costs like the kids growing up and going to university. So the finances to buy another condo at 1.2 million is actually quite tight. Down payment on a 1.2 million condo is about 300k plus ABSD. Per month, the installment will work out to around 4,000 per month. I think that's for so a load of 900,000, really... right? 4,000 a month. Yes, yes. And this still doesn't include like conservancy charges as well. So in my view, affordability may not exist unless in 2026 that 800,000 is being considered. If that is, then the couple will not have anything left for retirement if they were to use this 800,000 pot. I would think at this point of time, he mentioned another point is, can he pass the current property to his parents? Parents' age, they cannot take loan, which means he needs to be fully paid. That means that house needs to fully pay and then there'll be less to buy the new house. Everything in terms of retirement is just to be consumed by property. One house for parent, one house for himself. That's why when I heard about the case, I kind of gravitated towards renting. Right now, they have a house, but the situation is like there's space constraint, there's there's disagreement, they want to start their own family. They need another place, but all the numbers don't seem to fit in terms of affording it comfortably. But of course, rent is not very usual in Singapore's context, especially if you're a local. And before I add on a bit further, Bentley, what are your thoughts? If it was you, would, would you rent or not? I have a high emphasis on flexibility. So hmm. for myself, I am actually open um, to renting because one, there's actually lesser commitment, um, hmm. financial commitment on my end, and I don't have to be fixated in one place. But in my view, they actually have to weigh the pros and cons of renting. Some pros of renting is like there's more flexibility and there's lesser commitment to stay in one place. Hmm. But the downside of renting at the same time is also the uncertainty where they have to keep moving every few years and they cannot use CBF to pay for the rent as well. And one more thing that so, now uh, rent, rent costs hmm. seems to be climbing very quickly on a month-to-month basis. So yeah, you're at the mercy of uh, market forces in terms of what the landlord is expecting when they renew a, a rent lease. Yeah, so if they plan to have kids, I would think it's better to own the place rather than rent. When, yeah, when they're young kids, you need to modify the house. So having somewhere more permanent makes sense. That is why I was thinking, is there a way they, they can live in his current HDB, the four-room HDB? Maybe the softer situation is for the elderly, they rent just next block, just next door, something like that, that keeps them close contact. Whereas the elderly, all they need is space, toilet facilities. I think that works already. So instead of them renting, and if they all can agree, the elderly can be just next door, rent a place that's within the block or next block. They can remodel this current home that he has this HDB into a livable place. But of course, when you rent a HDB for the elderly, it's going to cost you uh, two, 3000 easily. Maulene, we your question on uh, is renting a waste of money. Very often we think two, 3000 is wasted. When you pay that rent, there's nothing that comes back. When you buy a property, it may appreciate. But always we don't factor in stamp duty, taxes. You also have loans. When you, when you take on loan, there's interest costs and interest rates are going up right now. DBS fixed rate is 2.75% already. So renting may not be actually a waste of money. It really depends on how, how they view it. He has surplus cash flow. Hopefully that 4000 works. And if you can spend 2005, 3000 to fix the elderly, 
in the next next block or within the same block itself. Uh, then he don't need to tie himself to a big condo purchase where he's really going to be affected. If interest rates go up, he's going to cough out a lot more. And in future, if they want to remodel the arrangement, elderly move back. Because now there's three elderly, right? You never know in 10 years' time. There'll be changes. Like we, are, we, we all understand. Then maybe it's one elderly. Then maybe moving back is not too difficult. Or if the relationship changes. Uh, that's where you want to maintain that flexibility. So that if you don't need to rent, you can move back, back together. Then that situation you can embark on also. Yeah, so I have actually one point to add with regards mm. to the elderly moving. Because many at times, from my own um, personal situation, I see that the elderly may be reluctant to move out mm. of a place that they have been staying for like the last 20, 30 years. Usually that case applies a lot more when the elderly bought the place themselves. They own it. They live mm. there for 30 years. Moving them out mm. is very difficult. Like not what we see in Amokyosus. Those elderly are, are complaining, uh, I don't want a new place. I just want my current place. But we also need to acknowledge the house is currently in his name. He bought it. He moved them in out of filial piety. So hopefully mm. there is some compromise because nothing is the best situation. There, there needs to be a compromise. And it's true that elderly don't like new environment. So the best could be within the same block. Your market is still downstairs. Your coffee shop mm. best friend is still going to be there. Whether you move to the next uh, unit or not, or next block, you're still in the same environment. So that's uh, the best fit I, I think can, can be done to sidestep that issue also. Today's discussion, we have a few learning points. The first is when you buy a property, if it's tied in with multiple names, you get yourself stranded in. That's first. The second is when there needs to be more space, upgrading always impacts your retirement. When you upgrade, make sure you are able to comfortably afford it. If you point all your retirement assets towards it, then you will compromise your retirement future. And if you lose your job, for example, then you are in serious trouble. So upgrade within means, I think that's that's an important message also. And last but not least, renting. In every family situation, especially if there's space constraint, I think it's still going to be a lot better than buying, expanding that money, taking on risk of mortgage. And then in future, you lock yourself up in situations. So hopefully there are points that our viewers can Take away from today. As always, thank you for watching to here. Smash a like, smash a subscribe, and I'll see you in the next discussion. Take care as always. Goodbye.